Will we see shuttered mental health clinics reopened during the Johnson administration? I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is The Reset Podcast. Chicago's got a new mayor, Brandon Johnson, and for him, providing mental health services is an issue that hits close to home. Because people like my late brother Leon, who died addicted and unhoused, if only there was treatment, I want to make sure that no one ever has to suffer because they do not have access to mental health services. And people have told us no for too long. It's a matter of life and death. So let's bring together the private sector, the public sector, the county, the state, and the federal government to find the best solutions for delivering these services, including reopening our mental health care centers across the city of Chicago. WBEZ city government and politics reporter Tessa Weinberg was at the inaugural address Monday, and she's been reporting on the Johnson administration's first steps and priorities. So we are going to get into the clinic talk in just a moment. But first, in his first hours in office yesterday, I hear he issued four executive orders. What did they say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think those four orders really demonstrate just what some of those immediate challenges he's going to be facing this summer are. You know, asylum seekers arriving to the city and summer violence. Um, In one order, he directed the city's budget office to analyze funds available for youth employment and for his administration to really work toward creating more internships and job opportunities for for kids in Chicago, not just in the summer, but year round. Mm -hmm. He highlighted that as a priority in his inauguration speech yesterday. And one of his top transition deputies, you know, previously told my colleague Mariah Wolfel that they're already talking to corporations to try to push them to hire more kids this summer through the city's summer employment program. Um, But that might be difficult to do, you know, in, you know, these next couple of weeks, but it's going to be year round goal. And then some of the other orders also establish new deputy mayor positions in the areas of community safety, labor relations and immigrant, migrant and refugee rights. Yeah, that's a lot of deputy mayors. What does a deputy mayor do? Yeah, so the position's been used, you know, differently by different mayors, but typically they're focused on a specific priority area, like the ones we mentioned, and it could be education or neighborhood development and working to, you know, really implement the mayor's priorities and goals. Um, I'll be curious to how Johnson, you know, uses these roles, whether these new positions will be in addition to ones Lightfoot had Mm -hmm. instead of. The order has also directed these deputy mayors to come up with budget recommendations on these topics for his first budget. So I think we'll start to eventually, you know, see some of these priorities kind of manifest in some of these, um, you know, budget recommendations that are scheduled to come. Interesting. So let's go ahead and turn back to the the Johnson administration's plan to reopen mental health clinics in Chicago. What do we know so far? And, and I mean, what's the first step here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, Mayor Johnson was clear on the campaign trail in his inauguration speech yesterday that this is a top priority. He said it needs to, you know, progress needs to be made in his first budget. Um, But when I recently spoke to one of his top deputies in his new administration, they say their first step is really they're in assessment mode. You know, they're taking a look at the current landscape of mental health services, both public and private, to really determine specifics of what their approach is going to look like. And I think it remains to be seen how much of it will be, you know, public city run clinics versus Mm -hmm. continuing maybe Lightfoot's model, which was more funneling, you know, dollars to nonprofit and community based providers. Um, And so we'll have to kind of see how that lands. Yeah, let's dig into that, because as you mentioned, Mayor Lightfoot made this same promise Mm -hmm. before, right? Opening, reopening clinics. Uh, But she chose instead to send funding to nonprofits and community based providers. Why? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lightfuzz talked about, you know, she initially thought reopening clinics was the right way to go. But she said, you know, back on the campaign trail, she heard from experts and patients that they were seeking, you know, services in their neighborhoods outside of just what maybe a, a static city clinic could offer. And so her health department has really touted, you know, the tens of thousands of patients they say they've been able to reach um, by funneling city funds to nonprofit providers, community-based providers, um, compared to just the few thousand, you know, patients that city clinics were reaching each year. Mm-hmm. And so they've really expanded that as, you know, a more kind of systemic, you know, approach that is reaching tens of thousands of more residents rather than just maybe a few thousand that the city clinics Also oh, a handle. bigger, a bigger impact. Are mental health advocates concerned, though, that Johnson would take that same approach uh, as Lightfoot did and, and instead... Uh, choose to go a different route instead of opening up the reopening the clinics? Yeah, I think it really depends on, you know, who you ask. I think it's a long running debate of, you know, what role the city should have when it comes to being a direct provider of these services versus, you know, maybe just a funder of them. Um, You know, I think advocates who have wanted to see the clinics reopen are hopeful, just even in the way that Mayor Johnson talks about mental health, making it a priority, um, saying he wants to open the clinics and they hope to see, you know, incremental steps toward that goal. Um, We're Whereas others, for example, the CEO of NAMI Chicago, um, which works with the city to uh, implement 311 hotline, mm-hmm. um, you know, their CEO said it would be a real you know, heartbreak if some of these nonprofit providers are cut or um, if Lightfoot's you know, approach um, isn't continued under Mayor Johnson. And others have said, you know, it'd be great if the city could find a way to to do both, um, to have, you know, these clinics um, that it's offering, but also realizing that, you know, clinics could maybe just be one tool in the toolbox and mm-hmm. there's other ways to reach people. Um, like uh, outgoing Mayor Lightfoot had, um, you know, really prioritized bringing services to where people are, like public libraries and, and finding kind of ways to meet them where they are. Yeah. Uh, let's go back in, in detail here. Remind us why those clinics were closed in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Former Mayor Rahm Emanuel closed half of the city's, you know, then 12 clinics in 2012 when he was facing a budget deficit. Um, four of those clinics were on the south side and it generated, you know, national attention. Um, protesters barricaded themselves and Side some of these clinics to, you know, really protest this decision. How many are open today? So now there are five remaining today. Okay. Um, one of the clinics um, is now kind of had to transition to be managed by Cook County Health. So now there's currently five city-run clinics remaining. Wow. So tell us more about what's happened in the areas that are surrounding the closed clinics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, an analysis from the Collaborative for Community Wellness, you know, when they did their own research, they found that um, some of the areas with the highest rates of 911 calls for behavioral health tended to be concentrated in, you know, the wards and areas that saw city clinics close. Um, and in that time, you know, the clinics closed over a decade ago. And so this has been a long running, I think, debate and lots of activism around this issue. And some communities have worked to basically stand up their own versions of, you know, mental health resources Mm -hmm. and pass property tax increases in order to fund their own, you know, community driven and run clinics to be able to provide mental health resources. Some of those are, you know, kind of just coming to fruition. And so I think that will be something that the Johnson administration has already said, you know, they'll be looking at of realizing that since the city clinics closed, new resources might have arisen and how to make sure the city can, you know, be a complement to some of those community-driven efforts, which they really said they want to prioritize working with community. Yeah, and we'll recall, too, that during his campaign, uh, Mayor Johnson said mental health centers have to be, quote, publicly funded with good union-paying jobs and no privatization. So has his administration confirmed that that is still the plan, Tessa? 
That was something when I spoke with his first deputy chief of staff earlier this month. You know, they said it's yet to be determined. They weren't really committing either way. They said, you know, as part of that assessment. I was just going to say they're still in assessment mode. Yes. Yeah. That they'll be looking and seeing, you know, the how, you know, the nonprofits, the impact they've been able to make, how much people they've been able to reach. And they really aren't really ready to say, at least when I talk to them, you know, how much of that approach will continue when it comes to continuing to fund these nonprofits. Uh, Are mental health advocates in favor of that idea? I think, yeah, again, it kind of depends on on who you ask. Um, You know, one alderwoman, uh, Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez, who is on Marilek uh, Johnson's uh, transition subcommittee and co-chairing it, you know, regarding health. And she is set to be the new uh, health committee chair under the um, tentative, you know, city council uh, committee structure that's been pitched. Um, She, you know, really wants to see the city, um, you know, work towards trying to act on a pilot proposal she had had last year to turn some of the existing city-run clinics into stabilization centers that could be open after hours, 24 hours, mm-hmm. to help receive people going through crisis when maybe an emergency room or a police station wouldn't really be the appropriate or best place to take them. Um, but even she said, you know, she thinks nonprofits do have a role, but wanting to see the, the um, you know, city clinics, you know, you know, be that kind of primary, you know, structure of care. And so I think there's lots of ideas floating and Mm -hmm. um, we'll see too, as I think his transition subcommittee, you know, what their recommendations are as they're meeting and getting to work and and how, what they pitch, you know, is what they want to see Johnson do. Yeah, this is Reset. For those tuning in, we are talking with Tessa Weinberg, who's a WBEZ city government and politics reporter. We're discussing promises that Mayor Brandon Johnson has made during his campaign to reopen mental health clinics across the city and also the likelihood of executing those promises now that he is our mayor, now that it's official. Dig into the the biggest challenges, Tessa, that you think Johnson's going to face here to reopen these clinics, as we talked about a moment ago, and try to keep them publicly funded, like Mm -hmm. he suggested. Yeah, I think some of the questions will be just some of the kind of basic logistics. Where do you put these clinics? How many do you want now? Um, Will it be the same number, the same communities? Um, You know, the city's public health department estimated that to reopen clinics would cost about two to three million dollars each. And they said that'd be primarily driven through costs of, you know, leasing or renovating a space or the personnel required. Um, You know, one clinic, uh, uh, the site of a former clinic I went to in Logan Square, you know, it's now a bar. It's not even. I was going to say, what is it now? Yeah, it's not a, it's not a city, you know, run, you know, clinic operating there or city services. Um, So I think some of that is going going to, you know, be those logistical questions. How do you pay for these things? Um, you know, the pilot that had been proposed that was never acted on to turn some of the city clinics into stabilization centers um, that progressive aldermen had put forward that had pitched taking um, funding for police vacancies and, you know, putting those instead towards uh, the public health department's budget and making positions there. So I think there will be some, you know, innovative ways that maybe we'll see pitched about how to find the money for something like this as well. And I mentioned earlier, Johnson's administration doesn't want to treat mental health as a silo, uh, that uh, it has some preventable root causes that push people to the point of crisis. Break down what he means by root causes. Yeah, I think when he talks about, you know, root causes um, when it comes to mental health, it's very similar to how we hear him talk about, um, you know, tackling root causes of violence. And when he talks about public safety, um, I think looking at this as, you know, uh, areas that could lead someone to, you know, being in a crisis, whether that might be, you know, issues of domestic violence or um, unstable housing. And so, you know, one expert I talked to said they already kind of see Johnson, you know, and his administration thinking in this way with, for example, how they're looking to um, increase, you know, youth employment for the summer. Right. That, that's, you know, 
looking at kind of tackling this upstream issue that maybe then, you know, impacts the the violence that we historically see in the summer months. And so I think, you know, hearing him talk about that and all these different topics, I think it's across the board, you know, that they realize that maybe these issues are all interconnected. Talked about all of this in his inauguration speech, mm-hmm. of course, yesterday. Uh, Johnson called for a city, county and statewide collaboration to open these mental health clinics we've been talking about. Sounds to me like a great idea, Tessa, but also sounds like too many cooks in the kitchen, possibly. I mean, could could that slow down progress? Yeah, I think we'll have to see. You know, I'd be curious to know more about how the city is currently collaborating with the county and some of, you know, the mental health offerings um, on the campaign trail. Uh, Mayor Johnson had pitched that he felt like the city through collaborating with the county, could be able to offer mental health services, you know, for less money. Um, and some of the members of his transition subcommittee focused on health. You know, it's not just city officials, it's state officials, it's county officials. So I do think that spirit of collaboration is already clear with the people he's brought to the table of, um, from their backgrounds of looking at maybe ways that they can all work across those different levels of government. Yeah. Well, uh, in her final week in office, Lori Lightfoot issued her own set of 11 executive orders. We don't have the time to go through all of those. Uh, they include things like promoting LaSalle Street revitalization, which we've talked about on, on the program before, um, enhancing zoning transparency and consistency, establishing the pension advance fund. Has the Johnson administration given any indication so far as to whether they'll keep any of those in place? Yeah, I think it remains to be seen. You know, he did sign his four executive orders yesterday. I think it was telling that they didn't, you know, undo immediately some of these ones that Mayor Lightfoot signed. And, for example, like his new uh, deputy mayor in migrant and refugee rights, I would imagine that would, you know, work probably closely with the Office of New Americans. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe some of those will build on each other, but we'll have to see in That's practice true. how it works. Good point. Tessa Weinberg is a city government and politics reporter for WBEZ. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. This episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Brenda Ruiz and edited by Meha Ahmed and Ethan Schwab. If you like what you're hearing, well, maybe you'll like what you're reading, too. Reset's got a new daily newsletter. It's a conversation between us and you. We break down big stories in the news. We offer recommendations for things to see, hear, eat, and read, and much more. You can subscribe at wbez.org slash Reset News. That's all for today's pod. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow. Tomorrow.